Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Straight Talk Radio, where we talk about uh, technology, business, politics, and culture. This is Donia Keating. I'm your host. I'm calling to you. I'm talking to you. Calling you. I'm not calling you. I'm talking to you live from the Seattle area. It's about 11 a.m. Pacific time on uh, Wednesday, January 25th. Um, listeners, if you're out there and you want to call in, that number is changed. It is now 602-753-1970. Again, that's 602-753-1970. Um, it'll patch you in for live on-air questions or comments. And if you want to speak, you would raise your hand effectively by pressing one on your keypad. And then there's also a chat chat option. Um, I don't know if it works better or not if you have a Blog Talk Radio account first, but basically I'm getting the calls and the chats patched into me so that I can communicate with you guys today. It's kind of a noisy studio going on here, so we'll just have to live with it. And I'm a little bit froggy. You know, it is what it is. We haven't done a show since last August. Um, you know, I always talk about this when I come on. You know, it started off where we were gangbusters and we had a show like every week or whatever it is. And then, you know, you, you just get busy and then you're not really interested, or at least I'm not, in chasing the headlines and just kind of, uh, you know, just saying things just to say things. So, but, <clears throat> excuse me, you asked, you asked, you asked. You wanted us to talk about some things. And finally, now that the elections are over, and we know what we're looking at uh, to a certain degree. I just figured, let's do this. So, I mean, I've said it before. If you think this is kind of the place to call in and get crazy, no, I'm not going to have that. Think again. We're all adults here. Um, there's nothing wrong with passion. There's nothing wrong with getting a little, you know, sharp with the elbows and, and jousting a little bit. But disrespectful, crazy stuff is just not going to happen. So um, let me go and see if there's anybody else out here. I think there might be. Hello, who's there? It's Charles. Hi. Yay, my trusty sidekick, Charles, is here. How are you doing, Charles? I'm doing well. You know, I'm just going from place to place. It's a busy day. <laughs> yeah, I know, for all of us. It's kind of, we, you know, people don't know, but we have kind of a portable, you know, mobile studio, for lack of a better description, because wherever we are, you know, with our clients or whatever, I mean, sometimes we have to pull over into a conference room and do the show, or sometimes we're in our cars or whatever it is, but that's kind of the cool thing about 21st Century Podcast. So let's get to it. Um, You know, the first thing is in terms of the topic we said we're going to talk about post-election, sounding off about whatever's of interest to people. And so some of the things that people wanted us to talk about is, well, the election and the post-election itself. So, Obviously, it's still hostile for many people, and there's a debate out there about whether or not Trump is their president. So not my president is the hashtag there. 
Well, we all get the emotional argument, I'm sure, and people are entitled to that. But there's no debating that he is technically POTUS. I mean, it is what it is. So I don't see much point of getting further enmeshed in discussion with anyone about that. And I've said that to people that have written me about, you know, that subject. It's like, I, you know, you have to choose your battles and there's work to be done. So why am I going to sit here and, and make an emotional argument when technically he is what he is? <clears throat> but there's also people that say they're going to obstruct him at every turn. And you just know that some of these are some of the same people who were – Okay, whoever's doing whatever out there, it's stop. It's too noisy. I can't hear. Um, then there are those who say that they were going to obstruct him at every turn, and you just know some of them were outraged at, the, at people who vowed the same thing um, with Obama. So they're kind of two peas in a pod. You know, these people that are on the opposite side of the same coin, squaring off, mistakenly thinking that they're better than the other. They're not. I mean, they're they're, they're just the same. And and frankly, part of the reason why we're in this situation to begin with. So it's highly likely that Trump is going to do something many of us aren't going to like or support. He's doing it already. I mean, he's very petulant and emotional, and he needs to get off of Twitter um, unless he's going to do something like all other presidents, or at least like Obama has. You use the tool effectively and wisely, um, and, and he can't be reactionary. But the bottom line is that if he takes an action which benefits something like, I don't know, education or small business or, for example, you know, it would be very absurd to set yourself up as someone who's going to just obstruct at every turn. I mean, you, it's it's okay. People are still raw about what happened, and we get it. But you have to engage your brain at some point and pay attention. Um, and like we said before, he's not really helping himself by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, who, I mean for me, who who cares how many people came to the inauguration? Yes, it's it's optics and it's a reflection of how popular you are. But the bottom line is it's not worth arguing over and it's not worth creating a false fact over. It's, it's just not at all presidential. And it's it's minutia. We need to get to work here. We have some serious issues. What are your thoughts on that, Dom Charles? Okay, I guess Charles is missing in action. We're going to move forward. Oh, I'm sorry. I had my phone muted. I was keeping the the background noise off. I'm here. Okay. <laughs> um. So I yeah. I think it's interesting because you know the not my president thing that's happened for every president who's ever been elected. There's been a lot of people that you know whoever won, the people that lost, you know, are complaining. And you know, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. He is the president. Um, he is not our entire government. You know, we still have a Congress, we still have a Senate, we still have state and local government. I mean, he's one guy at the top of a pyramid uh, who can manipulate certain things but doesn't have unlimited power. So just keep that in mind. I, I think it's been interesting to watch this very petulant, you know, angry reaction. And it's like, interestingly enough, as much as Obama said the right things and was really a very classy guy, he was very hemmed in by the powers that be. And I was always upset with, okay, Obama, you're saying this, but here's what's actually happening on the ground. And here's what actually happened. And, and there was a big disconnect between what he wanted and what would really happen. And I'm looking to see if that's different with Trump. And I think the people that are protesting have to realize that, you know, this is, you know, you may be playing this game of optics and, and, and anger and, and disconnect, but you're doing the very things that you accuse Trump of being you know, in, in a lot of the way that they're acting. And as a result, it's like it's a very hypocritical type of reaction in many cases. I don't like the way Trump uh, was many years ago. I didn't even vote for him, but I will give him the benefit of the doubt now that he's president. 
Well, it's interesting that you say that because, uh, you know, I think that a lot of it is the fear. I mean, and of course, part of that is the rhetoric and part of that is the media and just kind of the, the fact, you know, the hyperbole and the, the, the false facts and all this other stuff. But it's really that, okay, now that we have a Republican president, which he hasn't always been Republican, but now that he's a Republican president and we have a Republican Congress, now we're all screwed, you know. I mean, And I, and I think I look at that and I say, I'm not going to, to wholesale dismiss that fear or that, that thinking because it's part of partisan politics. But it also reflects to me that if somebody had a Democratic president and a Democratic Congress, then they would want to screw the other side. And so to me, that's really part of the problem, that you don't think in terms of how you can work together and both sides, especially the partisan aspects of it. You know, they feel like, you know, the moment you're in power, let's undo what everybody else has done. It's this stupid game of, of tit for tat and chicken and everybody else caught in the middle. And they're inspired um, by partisan people that don't care about the facts and don't care about the issues as much as they claim they do. They're kind of skimming the surface. And so there are people that are sort of in the middle, people like us, people that can, you know, definitely work across party lines and that think in bipartisan terms and that are very moderate. You know, we get shouted down and, and you know, the, the Democrats think we're Republicans, the Republicans think we're Democrats. And at the bottom, you know, at, you know, in the final analysis, it's really about, hey, we just like to get things done. I'm not satisfied with just being afraid and sitting on Facebook spouting about all the things I think, you know, end of the world chicken little. That's not sufficient for me. So anyway, the, the Women's March, I want to talk about that because you brought it up. Some are saying it's the biggest single event in world history, but I haven't seen anything definitively confirming that. But, of course, again, I don't think it has to be the biggest thing in the world if the ultimate goal is really change and not optics. I mean, protests can lead to that and can lead to change, and many of us have participated in protests or campaigns or lobbying or marches to get what we want done, but no one should be under the illusions uh, or any illusions about the fact that not all of those protests work. I mean, Occupy Wall Street, there's so many other things that, that go for the flash in the pan versus the long-term solution. Effective follow-up really matters, and so does having a clear message. But what I found interesting for me as a woman is to see women squaring off you know, in the public, you see posts asking, you know, why did you march and what rights do you, you know, don't you have that you think you don't have? And then there's posturing about why someone didn't march. And then there's a response to that. And it becomes part of the social media conversation. Christie said this. Here's a response to Christie. I mean, so many women make a big production about how men or the man or the system is mistreating or holding them down. And yet women are only too willing to line up to take each other down. I mean, I've certainly seen enough of that in my career and even my personal relationships, and I really just don't have time for it. I'm not one of those BFF types. I'm not one of those people who bothers with click rubbish. So watching this unfold for me is just really particularly ironic. And, you know, to see some of them even attacking the first lady, what she's wearing, speculating about her marriage, and she only married for money, and she's being beaten, and she's not happy, and they're looking at all of these fake videos and fake, you know, opportunistic clips and whatnot, claws all out um, and, so, and by you know some of the same people who probably defended Michelle Obama against these same intrusive and disrespective insults. I don't agree with any of it. I don't care what side it's from. And I think that that's kind of the, the thing that people need to start looking at. It's like, why are you making excuses for one side versus the other when there's really a bigger picture here about dignity and how we should be behaving as human beings? I mean, how do we, how do we expect to have a better world and to have people setting an example that we ourselves don't set. So it, it just, I, I look at that and I just say, you know, you want the type of world that you're not willing to create. And 
and, and, and I just don't understand it, I guess, is what I'm getting at. So um, the other thing I would say is um, I had some other – yeah, I mean, the march. I mean, march or don't march, whatever. I mean, the real point is we can stand up and make our own choices, women, as women, I'm saying, on a variety of issues because men do it. And there should be no reason for women to kneecap one another for having different interests and goals. We don't all have to be in lockstep. We're not part of some hive mind to, you know, that we have to be a part of in order to, to avoid being seen as opponents or allowing ourselves to be played off in a, in, in, against one another in media like it's some kind of a mud wrestling contest. I just figure, you know, let's just get it out there. Oh, okay, I'm seeing some – I know I'm rambling here, Charles. I'm like going off. But I see some uh, chat stuff saying, you know, did you march? Okay, I'll get it out. No, I didn't. Um, I didn't march. As someone who's diligent, diligently worked in the public policy arena my entire life, I don't have to march because that is my march. You know, even Fontaine Pearson, who was one of the co-creators of the march, said she wasn't that interested in the march itself, and she was more interested in what comes afterwards. Obviously, uh, many of us have been around long enough to list the many protests and marches and whatnot that have fizzled out into nothing after the media and the buzz died down. And um, for me, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, but I also felt that the more vocal message that we were all hearing about hating Trump or opposing him at every turn, it didn't resonate with how I operate. I mean, I don't, like you said, Charles, didn't vote for him, didn't support his candidacy, frankly, didn't support Hillary's either. But the bottom line is that we're here now and we need to get it done. And, um, you know, I didn't sit on Facebook throughout the campaign sharing derogatory memes and fake news of candidates that I didn't prefer. Um, I didn't dismiss or insult voters and their concerns. I tried to hear all the sides and strategize about ways that we could get together and get things done for our future, um, you know, whoever was in office. But too many people didn't want that. I mean, the Kool-Aid had already been poured and passed around. And, you know, once the votes came in and people began to realize that those shallow tactics didn't get out the vote for their candidate, they started complaining. You know, first they took the you know took out or started complaining about the electoral college, which they probably wouldn't have done if they had won. And then when dismantling that, that didn't work. So, you know, now they're they're you know they didn't set up the table for the meal that they wanted, and now they're complaining about the one that's being served. Um, I think about the laws on the books in the states right now about abortion, where you know there are several states that effectively make it very difficult to get an abortion. It, they didn't care about that until. Trump got in the office, you know, they could have done something before that. So I don't know. I just think that, you know, we should skip the self-congratulatory photo ops and bragging about the numbers of the optics. Those clinics and those shelters still don't have the money that they need it. And being proactive will, will always trump in my book being retaliatory, no pun intended. Um, but at the end of the day, I, you know, the I hate Trump and the pussy hats, I mean, that's, that's where some of the logic starts to fall down for me because uh, you can't have a discussion about sexual abusers or men who don't respect women um, and then turn a blind eye to the first man that some were so willing to, to co-elect in the office. Um, and you can't you know, ask people to consider the message about girls and women with a Trump presidency when the message, on the other hand, is enabling that same abuse, standing stone-faced behind an abusive man on a, on a podium who's being viewed by people around the world, and that message is put up with enough humiliation, and hey, you too can someday have your own power and run for president. I No, I, I say no to all of it, again. And so when we as human beings can stand up and take all of our leaders to task, and not simply those from the other side, we can then say we've claimed and exercised some real power towards change. And until then, I, you know, to use your phrase, Charles, we're just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. 
That doesn't mean that the, the, the power and the right to march and protest aren't commendable. They absolutely are. But it isn't and shouldn't be the only way in this vast universe of possibilities about how to get things done. Final comment, I think women should stop clawing each other's eyes out about it and just get to work. So I'm done with my little tirade. What do you think? I guess Charles is gone again. Well, huh? <laughs> no, no, I, I, you were you were on for a while, so yeah. Um, so interestingly enough, when Obama first took office, there was a Democratic Senate, a Democratic Congress, and a Democratic president. Now the situation eight years has flipped. So now, interestingly enough, I think the best way to describe this, and I, I think the women's march is fine. I don't care about all the rhetoric. What I do care about is I, I do think that women's rights are important. I think things like Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood and things like that play very valuable role, roles in delivering health care, women's health care. And I don't want to see those things corrupted. And I think, you know, having millions of women march to say, look, this is important to us, means maybe it'll give some pause to those people that would try to gut those programs. And I think there's a lot of rhetoric. And now what's going to happen is now they're going to realize the cost of those changes. And really the only thing that's going to matter is let's see what actually happens now. Okay? I don't think Roe versus Wade is going to get overturned. That would be a big deal. I don't, you know, they may try to defund Planned Parenthood, but they're going to realize there's going to be a lot of pushback for that kind of thing. And so I think that's the whole point. They're going to see the cost. You know, you can speak freely about what you like and don't like, but wait till you have to put together your own plan and make it work. That's what really matters. So uh, the whole thing about repealing Obamacare, I think they're going to have to see how are they going to make health care delivery more efficient and more affordable. That's really my metric. So, and, and that matters for women, men, kids, children, old people, everything. I mean, they've got to find a way to bring the cost of delivering health care down, not just insurance, but actually the cost of health care. So if they can do things like that, I'd like to see that. And the thing that I find is interesting is presidents going way back into the days for, for many generations here, a lot of them, they speak one thing, but they realize that the, the, the bureaucracy has its own ideas and they can't change it. And this goes all the way back to Nixon and maybe even before that. So now we're going to see if... Trump has some influence because of the way he works, he might be able to steer the ship maybe just a couple degrees different, and that would be interesting to see. So that's my piece. Well, I think that, you know, trying to create more jobs, obviously people, you know, that voted for him felt like they were uh, being left behind. And so to the extent that you can create more jobs, obviously that's going to be good for the economy because, I mean, I, d I did a lot of work with the ARRA funding that was supposed to do that very thing in a lot of different communities around the, the country. And I've seen the fallout from that where a lot of people, you know, that money just got sucked up by by public sector, and some of those people didn't get that money at all. But, you know, the point is that just because you can actually create jobs, that's not the end-all and be-all of a policy or public policy initiative. You have to think about all the other factors. And I also think that with Trump coming in and saying, okay, I'm going to get rid of this, you know, the pipeline's going forward, here's the gag order for the women that are international, with, for the NGOs that are helping women, you know, with abortion and, and health care, you know, here's the other thing I'm going to stop, with climate change, I want these people's names, here's a gag order, you can't tweet and you can't can't talk and you can't this. And I think that those things should 
absolutely be pushed back on constantly. I mean, I think people should constantly be, and, and you know, to me, it's like when you say, let me write my congressman or whatever, sending them, you know, some protest or whatever. These things go, it, it, not with all of them, but most of them, into the circular. They don't see it. They, they they can't act on that. What they really try to do is, if you've got an email address to somebody direct, you know, like a policy advisor or a district director or someone, then you send that email or you make sure you have some, some strong talking points. You don't just tell them you're afraid of Trump and he's Hitler. I mean, that's not going to send them anywhere. It can't help them. But if you if you if you have enough time to figure out what the real issues are and what those pain points are, then try to help them resolve the situation because they're inundated. I mean, there's thousands of bills that are pouring through that they don't even know what's on them half the time until they pass in front of their face. So don't make any assumptions about the fact that you know these people have you know, ulterior motives and they're just trying to screw you. Half of them, frankly, don't even know what's going on. Um, the interesting thing about the pipeline is, you know, Canada uh, wants it. I mean, usually people talk about Trudeau and they're look saying, hey, we should follow his lead and he's such a great guy. And it's like, but, you know, Canada wants this. You know, Canada um, approved it. The Canada, Canadian National Energy Board approved the pipeline in what, March 2010. And Barack Obama didn't issue the presidential permit that was required in the U.S. So, you know, Trudeau is very much behind it because they feel like, you know, an increased supply of oil from Canada would, would decrease the dependency on the Middle Eastern supplies. And so, and then and according to the market principles there, I mean, that would increase the availability of oil, which would lower the price for consumers, et cetera. You know, Trump is saying the project would create 28,000 construction jobs. Who knows? I mean, he, he exaggerates so much. I mean, you have to, you know, peel the onion to get the information. But I think the point is that instead of coming in here and just reversing everything Obama did, I hope that someone there, including us as citizens, will stay on top of him to make sure that he's looking at the bigger picture. Um, and people need to, who even if they are protesters and want to just negate everything else, they need to look at things like, why did Canada want this? What role do I have in decreasing my dependence on these very supplies so that we can actually move forward? You can't just keep consuming and using oil and then telling somebody else to get you off of it. We have to make that commitment in partnership with our leaders to make stuff like this happen. So, um, And then the climate change thing, I mean, I think it was absolutely ridiculous for um, – uh, Trump to say that it was a, a a hoax started by China. It's like, come on, dude. I mean, you don't have to believe everything hook, line, and sinker. But there is some very, very you know veritable information out there about the fact that we are impacting our environment. And even if you don't think we are, the question of living more simply and living more responsibly, you know, just cannot be um, dismissed. So let's try to find some balance points here. Let's get rid of the rhetoric. Let's get to the point. Let's get to the information. Let's be transparent about it with the public. Let's share it. Let's, you know, get the media in there and have them make a commitment to stop giving us BS so that they can sell clickbait. And let's all just push for, you know, more responsive and more responsible government. What's wrong with that? And our role in that is to not be um, driving from the ground up our partisan desires so that in turn, you know, our leaders respond to that. And then we get, you know, the, the subset of, of the fullest capability of what we could, could have. And you know, I was reading two articles and you and I talked about it where they said that the partisanship is actually destroying, you know, our country because, you know, now we're actually encouraging our elected leaders to be extreme and responding to our emotional pleas and, and entreaties. And that's just not the way to go. So 
I think that my sound off, I mean, I don't really have anything else to add. I mean, I can go into so much detail, but we have a half an hour. But, you know, my real thing is, hey, folks, you know, take a look at yourselves, too, because you're actually, you know, like economics, you know, supply and demand. You're actually demanding what you're getting here, and you're trying to make it sound like it's your leaders, but you're the ones that are creating this situation, too. So any other thoughts, Charles? All right. Charles I in and out. Say, I would – no, I would just say maybe uh, maybe our party system has uh, outlived its usefulness. And you got to look at issues. I think that's the whole thing. I think just voting a party line doesn't make any sense anymore. You've got to look at the issues and decide what really works. So that's my big. Yeah, and I don't think – I mean, there are a lot of people out there that have dismissed and actually tried to blame – um, third-party voters and saying, you know, you're throwing away your vote and this is just, you know, but they don't stop to examine, you know, you think your candidate's perfect, your, your candidate is obviously not perfect, neither is the opponent, and so how do you think you're ever going to get anywhere else unless you're willing to step outside of that lesser of two evils game? It's not going to go away by itself. You have to do something different. So, you know, I just think that people sitting around and blaming and, and putting everybody in um, – you know, putting everybody in a situation where they, you know, you're responsible, um, you're a deplorable, no matter what side of the fence you're from, you're stupid, you are a low-information voter, you're uneducated, and that's what got you what you got today. And so if you think that by continuing that behavior, now that you've got the person you don't want in office, I can tell you right now that if I were a swing voter and I was looking for information from somebody so that I can make an informed decision next time, I'm not going to listen to you because you're not giving me anything but crap. I don't want to hear about the memes. I don't want to hear about the false news and the partisan stuff. If you want to convince somebody that has a brain, you're going to have to give them some information that they can go back to, that they can do due diligence, and they can weigh the information, and then they can make an informed decision. But if you continue to do what got you here, I guarantee you you're going to have eight years of Trump. That's the way I see it. So if you want something different, stop doing what got you here. Bottom line. Any other final uh, thoughts, Charles? Well, I just want to say I want to see what happens policy-wise in the next three months, you know, that first 100 days. I think we'll see. I really want to see what's going to happen with what they consider their replacement option and the pluses and minuses of of that because there are trade-offs. There's always trade-offs. So I'm very interested to see that. So that's what I'm looking for. Okay. Sounds fair. And I'm looking for, you know, people like Trump and his his – cabinet and some of the uh, other people that are working with him, and also Congress as well. I'm looking for them to be more responsible and more responsive, even if that means you know, going against the president, even if that means his own party taking him the task. Do what you have to do, but by all means, you know, for the public, for everyone, and you know, there are quite a few people sending in chat messages, and they're really kind of the same comments over and over again, so we're addressing that. But the bottom line is, step up. You know, you can sit here and throw eggs back and forth and mud back and forth at your presumed opponents all day long, but at the end of the day, this is what you're going to get. And if you want something different, then you're going to have to do something different. I'm not responding to the arguments. I'm not responding to the insults. I'm not responding to the fears. I'm not responding to ineffective um, actions that don't get things done. That's not where I land. So bottom line, that's it. And I think that's it for uh, for all of us. So. That's it, people. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. 
You can now hear the podcast here at iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and you can follow us on Facebook at backslash STR, the number eight talk radio. That's Sam, Tommy, Roger, the number eight and talk radio. This is Donya Keating signing off. It's about 11.27 Pacific time on Wednesday, January 25th. I'll see you when I see you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.